Let's go to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. This is the story on the, um, I, last time I was here, I made a, I heard the PA going and I, my brain did a little thing, so I'm not going to do that this week because I forgot, oh, kids are now in the lobby. Like, I hear children. Um, how many know who Saul is? Not King Saul, the other one. So this is an amazing story. And over the holidays, we were kind of laying low. I won't say why because of Corona. And I got really into YouTubing Paul and Saul. Saul, Paul, what do I call him? Either one works. And just really studying Paul, the apostle. And I've even preached on this exact passage before. But every time you speak God's word, something new comes from it. That's why it's alive. It's a living word. And after studying Paul again, something jumped out to me from this passage of Saul on his way to Damascus to capture Christians so he could bring them back to Jerusalem to put them to death. Acts chapter 9 verse 1 says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats. He was mean, okay, against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there, anybody say any, who belong to the way. How many know what the way is? If you're here today, you might know that we believe in the way. Any who belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He says, who are you? Says Saul, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. You know the voice of God when it's identified by the proper noun of who he is. And he says, I, the Lord, am Jesus. Isn't that cool? He didn't say, I'm God. He said, I'm Jesus. The Bible says the fullness of God is in Christ Jesus. Everything he is, everything God is, is represented by Jesus. So it's so cool when you see the connection. I am Jesus who you are persecuting. It's not them you're persecuting. When you try to take them back to Jerusalem, you're persecuting me, Saul. Verse six, now get up and go into the city. Look to your neighbor, tell him, get up, but don't really do it. Well, you can. Go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound also, but they didn't see the light. The light wasn't meant for them. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, everybody say three, he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying for these three days. 
in a vision, he has been seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all of the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go do it anyway. Anybody ever had God say, do it anyway? Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Saul, I've been watching you and you got the wrong motive, but you got a mission I'm gonna give you and I'm gonna use you and you're gonna suffer for my name, says Jesus. God's watching, God's watching. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on this road as you were coming in here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, NIV, Holy Ghost, KJV, the same thing. Immediately, someone like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized by fire. He wasn't immersed. He was baptized in the spirit, the Bible says. There's a difference. Come on, somebody. I don't want to get all preachy on y'all, but it matters. I didn't get up up here to do this for fun. I got up to do it to give you life-changing word that affects your future. Just like he's telling them here, I lost my place. I got so excited. Immediately, something like scales turned from Saul's eyes, and he could see again, and he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he ate a little bit, get some calories. He regained his composure and his strength. That's pretty good. There's a lot of sermons in that. But my title for today's message is, When God Chooses You. Well, I'm just looking to follow the path of the Lord. What if God says, I am coming to you. You can go wherever you want, but I'm going to find you and I'm going to turn you into something you never thought you could be. You didn't think you were capable to love me like this. God says, but where I, when I put my spirit in you, you can, do, you can do above and beyond anything the man of the world can do. Because this is not a flesh thing. This is a spiritual thing. That's why he had to be baptized with fire right then, to be converted. And I'm going to get on to it. Some of you might be confused on why I'm saying Paul, but his name's Saul. Saul was his Hebrew name. He is dual citizen, Roman and Hebrew. Paul was his Roman name that he never went by until God called him. You know God will change your name? You remember Jacob? who became Israel. You remember, remember Abraham, who became Abraham. You remember Sarah, who became Sarah. I'm sure there's more. God will mark you for the moment he changes you. Now to jump ahead, he goes on to be saw up Paul from this day forward as he starts preaching the good news because God changed his heart in this moment. But I don't want to give away the whole story. I'll get there. When God chooses you, we open today with this journey of Saul from Tarsus, named after the first king of Israel, Saul. 
His parents loved the Israelite heritage so much that they sent their son to be very educated in this. So educated that he was preaching something that was sending him to his grave. And he didn't know it because he was passionate about the wrong thing. His job was to persecute and take out anyone who compromised the culture of that time through Jesus Christ. Saul was absolute about his beliefs, well-educated, and he knew the Old Testament. He knew the prophecy. He knew all the things. I think deep down that's why he struggled so hard and fought back because he knew this was truth, and his flesh was fighting it. Has anybody ever had their flesh fight something that you knew was really God trying to show you something new, and you thought you, thought you were doing the, 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 the thing, and really you were fighting the truth? That's called conviction. And I think Saul had some serious conviction. It was too alpha to admit it. So God had to get him together one way or another. He was full of knowledge. And the problem with knowledge is when we puff up, we lose sight. Literally, we lose sight. That's good. Maybe we're losing sight of something God has put in us Saul had a calling indeed, but his vision got in the way of God's vision. In the attempt to manifest God's will in Paul's life, God loved Saul so much that he knocked him down to a place of awareness so he could change how he saw things. Saul was chosen. Everybody say chosen as God saw the potential in him, but had to wrangle Saul's intention as he headed towards Damascus because the direction was right, but the intention was wrong. And there's a major flaw in that formula if that's the case. So my question for you this morning is, are you facing the direction God called you to to be, but you're looking at it with the wrong intention? I just want to sing church. Maybe that's not why God called you to his church. I just want to do this for God. Maybe that's not what God wants to give you to do for him. It hurts with the realization that God put something in us that he, that he needs for his glory, not us. And so until we recognize that I got to do the thing he put in me to give back that glorifies him, I feel like Saul a bit in fighting that. So my question to you is, what will you do when God chooses you? Can I call somebody else? I've had this. It took 10 years. I'm not saying I'm chosen. We're all chosen for something. But I had a moment where I recognized I was chosen for something that I was avoiding. You know, you just pretend it's not real. You just pretend it's not there. It took 10 years of that before I came to the conclusion on the cement as the light shined and he says, yes, it's been me calling. Quit losing more time. Everybody has that. You can be on the right direction but have the wrong intention. God will choose your direction. That's why we say you step by step. God will choose your direction but you have to decide to follow the path, and your intention decides where you follow or if you wander off the path. Or like Paul, he was going to Damascus where God called him, but it wasn't to, to capture Christians. It was to get Paul together. 
Isn't that good? That God uses that situation for his will? That's what he did. He took away his sight so he could see. He took away his earthly vision so he could start seeing in the spirit. It also says that's when he received the baptism of the spirit. Like God's got to get our distractions out so we can see who he is. Otherwise, he's just a really modern, LED-lit, DMX-controlled show. Can I get an amen? And I like that stuff, too. And we're going to have that soon, just so you know. We're like building out the building, if anybody's wondering, why we have raw metal studs that could cut people open if they run too quickly through them. It's not like we want that. It's just that's the season we're in, and we're willing to deal with it. Okay? Amen. (laughs) Saul was headed to where he was supposed to go, but he had the wrong mission in his Google planner. He was confident in his way. Oh, this is good. And not the way. You know what you know what Paul means? Who knows what Paul means? Come on, somebody. Because Daddy told you last week, go for it. Small. That's right. Give it up for the small guy who knew the answer. How funny is it? that God would take the most mighty, ruthless man of the time, except Nero would come along soon, and that got real ugly later. And he would change his name, even though he had the name, he didn't use the name, but when he started preaching God's word, God said, this is your name, which means small. And how many also know that Paul preaches for him to increase, I must decrease small. I gotta be small to live big for Jesus. It's good to get fired up. That's, that's a powerful moment in our revelationary walk with the Lord because until we reduce our size to, to a mustard seed, we can't move that mountain. Come on, somebody. It's getting churchy in here. I like it because God's touching you with the word. That's what we got to have is smallness. I thought that was so cool. I've known Paul my whole life, but, you know, through the word. But I, didn't, I never knew his name meant small, humble. God said, that's what I got to do to you for you to be useful to me. You're not useful when it's your way. It's got to be the way, which is my way, says the Lord. And I'm not talking about Frank Sinatra. It's a good song. I joke with, like, serving in church. It is a perfect illustration. Some people, they come to church for one reason, They leave for another reason. And I'm not talking about the same day. I'm talking about maybe 10 years later. They go, you know, I came into the church because it was about me, but now it's about the world. And that's a good thing because Paul says you can't just live on milk forever. Eventually, you got to have some meat. And eventually, the milk that you nursed on will be no good except you got to now give something to somebody else. That's where you're starting to need meat and you're starting to give meat. And that's the job of the church, which is so cool. Paul was really good at setting his own motives and not knowing it. He ended up killing Stephen, the apostle, under his command. He was stoned to death. They said Stephen worshiped as he breathed his last breath. Saul did that. Saul thought he was doing Jehovah's way. Yahweh, kill him. How dare they threaten 
our government. That sounds like a Pharisee mindset. Jesus says, the law is, I came to fulfill the law, and, and, and this way is attainable. Your way is not attainable, he said to the, to the Israelites. That's why they didn't like him. But how does a man so powerful who has it all together, how does God get his attention? Well, he knew Saul, he still saw at this point, he knew Saul had the right drive to do something. So he let Paul's flesh take him to the place that God had him for a setup, to be grounded. Because you gotta be grounded to go back to Jerusalem. See, he grounded him, and I'm not talking about like go stay in your room. Well, kind of. He was blind for three days. You know, he never received his vision back fully. That's why, like, Mark, uh, Luke had to help him write the rest of the gospel. It was his thoughts, but he couldn't see what he was doing. And then have the bifocals. It was worse than that. And, and he had to have this grounding period. There's something about three days, just like the resurrection. Uh, there's, a, there's a transition in, in the three that God has to do something. And he prophetically spoke to Ananias also who was terrified because he knew who Saul was. But Ananias was faithful. When God said go, he went. He didn't argue with him. For a minute he did. He had to be grounded to go. Saul had to be grounded to become Paul, the missionary to the Gentiles. Paul's mission was to the Gentiles. The others had the Jews covered. Paul's mission was to the Gentiles. The Gentile means a non-Jew. If you're a Gentile, you're not a Jew. You're one of the two. In order to go right, we have to get grounded. God will take something away before he gives it back. He took away his fleshly vision so he could give back the spiritual vision. Isn't that cool? Until he took it away, though, he would never see it as Paul. There has to be that window where you, 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 there's nothing. There's, I have the toughest time exercising now because I can't let go of my phone, Jen. And I'm down there going, I know that I'm here to not be on this, to get freedom from that. But what do I do? I check my phone between sets. Isn't that bad? It's a distraction. You can't focus on something fully when you're fully distracted all the time. It's the way we live. It's the world we live. If we're not distracted, we think something's wrong because we're addicted to distraction. And maybe our distraction back then, if we were around when Saul was, was our motive, our will, our fleshly desire. That can be a distraction. So sometimes God's got to ground you into a place you can't see nothing. Your, your phone battery is dead and your charger's broke because you ripped it out so many times, it won't even take the charge. Now you're really in trouble. Anybody ever had that happen? You find the charger, and then the, the charger won't take, and then you just want to cry to mommy? My mom lives next door. I can't even text her when that happens. i got to walk over. Dear God, i got to walk next door. Tell her my phone's broke. Just kidding, Mom. She's back there. Give it up for Pam. My mom does the offering. 
okay? And the coffee, by the way. How many like the Starbucks we had today? This preacher really gets off course quick. It's whole bean. It was whole bean. Fresh ground. We want you to be loved over here. We can't give you that grounded Folgers. Anyway, plus Paul liked whole bean Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. But it means small. And until God can make you small, you can't live big for God's mission. There, there, there is something so powerful about being humble for God. There is something that will make followers for Jesus through your smallness for Jesus. And that's what happened to him. After all the years, oh, my Lord, how did he sleep at night? What he did to Stephen, how did he sleep at night? But this turned him around because he was grounded. He was stuck with Ananias until Ananias healed him and God gave him the new intention. This is how much Jesus loves each of you. He will go to the ends of the earth to make your life as miserable as it takes to get your focus on him. Why would God do this? Because he loves you. That's why. We can love ourselves into some big old problems. Can I get a witness to myself? Yes. There's so many times in hindsight, hindsight, I look on my life and I thank God for not letting that thing work out. That I, I prayed about that. That was not the will of God. That would have been hellacious, Hades on earth if that had come true. Dear God, thank you for protecting your foolish child. That's how I, that's how I pray. It's good. Once you become grounded like Saul, God now says you can use the name I've had on reserve for you since your birth, but you weren't ready to use it, just like Jacob became Israel. Saul, you're going to become a Paul now. And every time you hear Paul, you're going to be reminded of why you came to One Seed Church. And every time you hear Paul, you're going to be reminded of why the preacher gets so excited. You're going to be reminded of the shift. And you're never going to speak Saul again. And if you do, it's just a reminder of where I brought you from. It's okay to remember, but don't dwell on it. I don't want you to live who you used to be because that person's no longer. He's dead now. You're Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Jesus loved Paul so much that, that even when the apostles called Matthias the 12th to replace Judas, Paul got all the credit. He became the one. He became the one that took the gospel forward from that, that point on in the New Testament. That's how much God had planned for Paul. But Paul had to see it and accept it. He wasn't going to make Paul do it. But he got about as close as he could. And God wants to do that for one of you. He wants to get you to that breaking point. So you can see you need, a, you need to use the other name he gave you, like, like I'm a child of God. Maybe that's your name. Maybe, maybe you can quit saying I'm a piece of garbage and I did this. God says, I didn't call you that. I called you a child of God. Your, your other name is no good to me. Who, who are you serving? If you're serving me, I don't want to call you that. I never even thought that about you. Maybe your name is unqualified. 
Maybe your name is uh, the L word. You, you think that's your name. God says, I've never put that name on you. I made you in my image. Why would I call you that? That's the devil. That's the devil's lie. They may tease you, but I, I'm promoting you if you get small for me. And then they will follow you if you get small for me. Because you're an instrument. You're an instrument. Just like the musicians play an instrument, you can make music with your testimony. Everybody's a musician in here and didn't know it. I'm not talking about American Idol. No, no, no. You're a different kind of instrument. You may be a harp playing to the heavens and the angels are rejoicing because of the story you're sharing that's, that's God did something for you. See, you're making music with your life. One time I had a guitar up here, at how many buildings ago? I don't know. And I was showing that the, the music I make with my instrument has a different impact on the person receiving my message. Does that make sense? I can thrash them, which is fun sometimes, but they're not going to leave inspired, or I can play them something happy. I did the thing with Nick where Nick was like all, you know, all surfer-like, and then I did like the rock thing, and then I did like, like, the, like the jazzy thing, and like every different tone that came out of my instrument impacted you differently. That's what you are. You're an instrument that's always in tune as long as you stick with God. And your music will always be heavenly as long as you put Jesus first. As long as you put Jesus first, Kale, praise God for Kale. He's a giver. He's a faithful man of God. Love that. Childlike faith. Somebody needs some in here. I need some in here. How are we going to do this? God says, what are you, you doubting me, pastor? Maybe. Everybody needs to get retuned back because we're all instruments for the kingdom. God wants you to play your story. Mike's a loud instrument. He's got a great song he plays for everybody. And I love that. He's playing his instrument for people he sees everywhere. My dad is a, is a, is a, are you a banjo? No, that was back in the 70s. But, but he's an instrument with his word. I tease my dad because he used to play banjo. And I'm really jealous because I just don't know how to do it. And, and, he, and they're heavy and, and, well, they're banjos. And, and so, so like, so like he, touches people with his word everywhere everywhere one time he was preaching to a drug dealer by the boat dock at the lake of the ozarks a drug drug addicted kid and the next thing i knew they were praying out in the grass this kid was broken because he's an instrument you didn't know you could play like that yes you can you got a song to play somebody when you leave today remember what song you're going to play when you go into the drive-through tomorrow you could play a song for somebody i can't do it for you my lord i'd kick the bucket there's too many of you but all you parents out there whatever you play guess what your children are going to play it too little michael oh my goodness they said they were going to Mike Jr., Mike Sebastian, I was talking about Mike. They were, he sent me a video yesterday. They were talking about going to church, and he was screaming so loud. I said, that boy's speaking in tongues. Mike's like, no, he's just saying he's excited to go to church tomorrow. He was screaming. Baby talk, baby talk. I don't know what he was saying, but he was on fire. What's he for, Mike? Three? 
people. If a three-year-old can do it, you can do it. Come on, get to your feet. If a three-year-old can do it, you can praise God. Come on, somebody, wake it up in here. If we all played our instruments faithfully, 100% in for the mission, we'll see the roof blow off this building. I mean it. Saul, you're a Paul now. Go in there, get small, and be a Paul.